You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another edition of the Alliance 24-7 Podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. We've got a really action-packed episode ahead of you, laying out a lot ahead of a busy weekend in Happy Valley. There's a lot of recruiting action on campus again with a Penn State Junior Day, the first of a few here in January. Tyler Calvaruso will hop on the show, break down some of the visitors to know, and there are several of them, and also review some of what happened on Wednesday in the transfer portal. It has been a busy process for Penn State, uh, trying to add some pieces, a lot of moving parts out there to monitor. He has the latest. And then Penn State basketball picked up a huge win on Wednesday night, 19-point victory over the Indiana Hoosiers as they get going with Big Ten play and the the beast of, of Big Ten play that awaits. Uh, big win for them. Mark Brennan and Daniel Gowan will be on this show to break things down about that victory. They were at the Palestra on Sunday to see Penn State lose to Purdue. So a lot of perspective on Penn State hoops. But we begin with a Penn State football player and a friend of the podcast. I think he was on three times before he enrolled on campus. His first time as a current Nittany Lion and Landon Tengwall back on board and a familiar face, a familiar name for a lot of our listeners out there. And uh, you and I just caught up out in Los Angeles, Pasadena in particular, just before kickoff of the Rose Bowl. It was good to see you there. It's good to see you now. Hey, great to see you. Thank you for having me on. Well, first things first, we got a lot to talk about that's not just football, and, and I'm excited to do that. But we got to ask, how are you feeling? Because last we saw you, it was week five. You've been sidelined. You, were, you missed a big chunk of the season, not in the practice field at the end. How you doing, man? No, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, obviously, you know, I had the injury. It was set back. You know, obviously it sucks. Uh, but, you know, those things happen. You just got to you just got to take them and you just got to keep going, keep grinding. Uh, definitely helps you find out a lot about yourself. You know, it sucks when, you know, you're in the row. You can't play in the Rose Bowl and stuff. You just got to be out there supporting your teammates. Um, but, you know, I'm just excited to get back, looking looking forward to spring ball. So can't wait to can't wait to get back on the field for sure. I had a story up on our side on Wednesday from our conversation and with you and Nick Dawkins, who was also a pleasure to have on the podcast when he was a high schooler. Uh, but but the two of you, you know, both talking about getting back out there and, and, and it was good to hear. And, and just so our listeners are aware, we'll get into this a little bit later, but you're very optimistic at this point that you're going to be in pads for spring ball. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. Um, definitely, definitely going to be back for spring ball. Not exactly sure, but definitely will be there for the spring game for sure. So all the definitely get to see the fans and stuff. So that'd be great. But uh but yeah, no, definitely you'll you'll see me uh, back in the pads in the spring for sure. April 15th, Blue White Game Beaver Stadium, Lennon Tengwell will be there. Uh, and not only is he an athlete, a student, he's now in the publishing game. And from Exit 56 Publications comes the men up front. You'll find Landon Tengwell, at least a cartoonish figure of Landon Tengwell, wearing that number 72 on the cover of this book. And let's get into it because this is one of the probably underrated aspects of the NIL era in college football. It's not always just chasing the bag. It's also getting to do some creative things, expanding your horizons and making an impact. And talk us through how you became the face, the name on a book. Yeah, originally. So uh, originally I got I got the email about it and I was kind of thinking, I was like me, you know, why me? <laughs> why why you want to do me? Because I had heard that they, you know, he want to do uh, his guy. His name is Andy who wrote the book. Uh, he wanted to do something with Drew Alar. You know, I was like, that makes sense. You know, Drew, you know, one of probably the most popular guy in Penn State right now. Uh, <laughs> but he's like, yeah, I want to do you. Oh, you have you have your own book. And I was like, all right, sounds great. And honestly, I didn't think much of it at first. I thought it would be something a little cool. Uh, but I didn't really realize until it came out. And it came out a little about probably maybe a month before Christmas around there, maybe a little longer. But um, and I started having family, friends, uh, you know, younger kids that look up to me, you know, send it to me for me to sign it. You know, anytime I was seeing people in person, you know, they'd be like, please sign this. And I was, and then on Christmas day, I probably got at least five to, you know, five to 10 pictures, videos of, of kids, like with my signed book, whether it be like my little cousins, you know, trainers, kids that, you know, they got me to sign it for them. And, you know, they love it. It's just cool to see stuff like that. Um, you know, like it's cool to see that kids look up to you, you know, you have an impact on them. 
so stuff like that. It, it's really been amazing throughout the book, you know, and hopefully in the near future, I'm hoping to have a couple signings. Um, so I'll, I'm sure I'll have that info out on my social media in the near future. Um, so getting those finalized right now, but I'll definitely have signings. Uh, if anybody wants to come in person, purchase the book, uh, I'll definitely have all that info out shortly. Yeah, you're still just getting this thing rolled out there, and 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 we're discussing that now. And 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 not only, uh, you know, you mentioned Drew being involved with the men in back. You your your book is the men up front, and, and that those are the big fellas. Uh, let, let's talk about the message, I guess. Uh, there, there's football throughout this, but what's the message you want young readers, boys and girls, athletes or otherwise, to take away from their experience with this book in their hands? Yeah, honestly, I would just say keep chasing your dream. I think it's kind of just you know, it's just about me. I'm just I'm 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 just a normal guy, uh, you know. Uh, just chasing my dream. And that's really what I, when I signed the book, that's what I write to a lot of, especially if, the, if it's a younger kid that's playing football, I just, I just write, keep chasing your dreams. Uh, Cause that's kind of what the book re represents for me. It's something cool that I always have, you know, something that like my kids, my grandkids will always be able to look at. And uh, that's really what it means to me. It's really not about, it's not about the money. It's not about anything like that. Um, it's just, it's just the book represents uh, just something to me that, you know, that, it just touches my heart, you know. It's just awesome to see stuff like that, to see people, you know, come, 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 you know, around me for my book, uh, want me to sign it, kids. It's just, it's just awesome to see. So, so when are you going to come over and, and read your book to my daughter Olive? Give me the night off. <laughs> hey, if she wants to sign, let me know. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll line that up off the air. But uh, hey, when it comes to when it comes to this process and and, and getting to kind of collaborate. It, can you kind of open open the window a little bit for us and and what just the, the difference is right now in, in the NIL opportunities? I'm sure there are some some pitfalls out there that athletes got to avoid. But how many like cool opportunities that otherwise just wouldn't have been in front of your face have been directed toward you in these two years on campus so far? Yeah, I think NIL actually really what it does, it gives you a chance to connect back with the community. Obviously, you know, obviously it gives a platform to make some money. But for the most part, you know, especially offensive linemen, we're not making any life changing money off NIL. You know, you know, a couple extra bucks, you know, definitely is definitely nice. But it's really about, I think, getting engaged with the community, um, you know, especially in Penn State. I've definitely gotten a lot more engaged, you know, camps, um, you know, going to do signings, going to do, you know, I recently had like an eating contest at Urban Flavor House against a couple other linemen. Like I'm stuff like that's amazing. Just meet people, shake hands. Um, I'm actually starting to get back into my area of Annapolis. Uh, Maryland, where there's a ton, you know, I'm sure many, you know, in the Maryland area, I'm sure a bunch of people are watching this right now. There's so much, uh, so many Penn State alumni, Penn State fans. So I'm trying to get back in that community, meet people there, uh, which, you know, I'll walk around with a Penn State football sweatshirt and I'll get stopped by 10 people and I'll get like <laughs> five we are's at me. So, you know, I just know how, you know, that uh, how many how many Penn State fans are in the area. So I, it's really about uh, connecting with the community. That's been awesome. Just meeting new people and making new connections. Um, I was going to say Nick Dawkins took took that eating contest, correct? He did. Unfortunately, I he <laughs> didn't win. And it was actually by a staggering amount. I, I don't think the three of us, <laughs> JJ and Bryce, and they, we weren't even on our we – had, we had to make our own sandwich, and then we had to eat two of them. We weren't even – none of us were on our second when Nick Dawkins finished his uh, finished his second. We were still all on our first uh, sandwich. So he, uh, he mopped the floor with us on that one, unfortunately. Impressive, impressive. Uh, you know, speaking of the, the presence of Penn State fans, you know, you mentioned it back back down home in Maryland. How about out in the Rose Bowl? I mean, it was my first trip out covering this team in the Rose Bowl, and it was like no matter where you went in downtown Los Angeles or out in Pasadena, you were going to come across a bunch of Nittany Lions uniforms, the We Are Chance. What was your impression of that experience? Because I know it was your second bowl trip, but the Rose Bowl is just a little bit different than what you experienced last winter. Yeah, no, it definitely was a little different. Um, I will say, and I think you could sense that from the fans too. Uh, their presence just in California, it was just different. Uh, and like I said, it was awesome. It's just I think the one thing that's special about Penn State uh, is the community. I mean, obviously, I mean we're really one of the only we're one of the only programs that fills up you know our stadium hundred thousand you know every single game. And um, and you know I'll, I'll talk with guys that will come in and you know they'll say how you know how nice everybody is around here. And, you know, stuff like that. And I just think we have a great sense and just there's been a great community built here, uh, you know, really based off the Penn State football program. I think, you know, we kind of we kind of bring, you know, all the juice uh, to the area. You know, when we win something like the Rose Bowl, you know, that gets everybody excited. You know, everybody's happy. You know, the kind of the morale is just higher. Um, so, you know, I love our fan base. It was it was awesome to see them come out full force and uh, in California and celebrate with us afterwards, too. 
I actually have a great story. Down, we came into the hotel and we came in the back door and we came down these escalators and out in the main entrance. It was a pretty big hotel and the main entrance in the hotel bar. I mean, we walked in and the fans went insane. And Coach Franklin had the trophy, you know, came in. It was a great time. It was just great to embrace the fans. And uh, I hope they know we, we really appreciate them. They mean everything to us. You mentioned morale, Landon, and it feels like that's in a really good place. I guess we're now 10 days removed from that moment where you all get the trophy and, and you come back home with it. Uh, we've gotten some big announcements since then. Curtis Jacobs, Adiza Isaac, you know, uh, it kind of follows in with guys, even if they were declaring for the draft, they were still playing in the bowl. They were committed to this team. That was a different feel than how your first year ended. How would you describe here as you're getting underway with classes again, a new semester's underway, there's new guys on campus, some of your old friends have moved on. What is the team morale right now? Because it certainly seems from the outside looking in to be in a very impressive place. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we know we got a lot of work to do. Uh, nothing's going to fall in our lap. You know, we're, we're playing in the Big Ten. You know, this is, this is you know, we got, we're going to play against some really good teams. But I think everybody's really excited. I think we see, I think we saw a little bit of what we can do last, last year. I think we're returning, you know, the majority of our team. Um, you know, we got some great leaders. Um, good mix of old guys. Got a lot of young guys. Um uh, so, yeah, I think everybody, the morale is up. Everybody's definitely excited for this upcoming season, the spring ball to kind of grind. But uh, we definitely got to keep our eyes on the prize. Um, you know, championships are won. You know, these are the months they're won. Uh, when we're grinding out those, you know, those winter workouts, when we're grinding out those 15 practices in the spring ball, I mean, you know, people will think that, you know, it might happen down the road. But this these months are really where, you know, the Big Ten championships, the national championships are won. So, you know, these important months start, you know, it started – you know, started as soon as we got back on campus. And I think a lot of the team realizes that. So uh, I think we sense that kind of bouncing off of each other. So it's got us real excited. Let's talk about the offensive line, because I know you're excited to do that. I mean, everybody wanted to talk about the offensive line going into the season, but it may have been for different reasons. And uh, as I was talking with, with you out in Pasadena, there's not really a lot you can point to the offensive line and say they didn't get better in this area. And that's with you sideline. That's with Olu sideline. That's with Caden sideline. That's with a bunch of moving parts. Tell me how it happened in 2022, how this step was taken. Yeah, I think our room took a big step um, just from a from a leadership standpoint. I mean, we had great leaders. You know, we got, got Juice. You know, we got F. You know, Hunson, Hunson Oldhead coming back for six years. I mean, that was big time to get Hunter back, too. Uh, so we're real excited. But, uh, you know, all credit in the world to Coach Trout. Uh, he's, you know, he's built a fantastic room. I think, you know, he basically, you know, he asked for a little, you know, he needed a little bit of time to, to kind of, you know, make, you know, make a room what you want it to be. And I think, you know, the fans are start, finally starting to see, uh, you know, what his vision was. Um, we have, you know, I think we got, we're going to have even more depth this coming year than this past year. Um, so that's going to be huge. I mean, depth on an O-line is so rare to be able to have guys that you can just plug in and play. Um, there's just such little depth around, you know, college football and just, you know, football in general. Um, so, I mean, we're real excited. I think having a good offensive line, you know, you can't, you can't win any championships without a good offensive line. Um, and honestly, and that's what I'd say. I think we were good this year and I think we have so many more steps to take. I think we, we all want to be a great offensive line. And I think that's, what's got us hungry and kind of excited, you know, yeah. Bryce announcing his retirement juice off to the NFL, uh, mm -hmm. after his fifth season, but so many guys are back and, you know, you're expected to be back in that fold. As you just told us, I guess, looking back, how would you evaluate where you were through those five games? The team's five and oh, you started all of them. You're coming out of the bye week and then. Boom, uh, medical setback, and, and it's done for you for the year. Of course, you're watching the success the rest of the way. But on the field, what did you what did you accomplish? Yeah, no, um, obviously, I think I got some I got some good experience. Obviously, starting five games was was good. Um, you know, like I said, obviously it sucks. Uh, I didn't get to play the rest of the year. You know, I got sidelined, but it happens. Um, but I think I was I, I really was starting to build that confidence. I was really feeling good going to the bye week. It was starting to it was really starting to click. I'd say for me, I think the first couple of weeks. I was, you know, those are the first, you know, real games I've, you know, I've started. Um, and, you know, that that's hard at first. You got to get adjusted to that. There's really nothing that can, you know, prepare you for, you know, playing, you know, big time college football. Um, so I think, you know, definitely, you know, going into this next year, definitely more comfortable, more relaxed, kind of know what's going on, know what they expect, uh, things of that nature. So definitely will make it a lot easier for me uh, going into this coming year. It's kind of crazy to look back at the last few years because I know how much you love football from our conversations. 2020, supposed to be your senior year, all-state kind of season, all-American kind of season. COVID crushes it. Your, your redshirt freshman year, I know it wasn't quite the involvement you might have been hoping for. You played late, and then you get five games in, and then it ends early. 
how much is that fire raging in your stomach right now to go hit some people and do it week after week after week? Oh, so much. Uh, I'm so excited to put, you know, put the pads on for spring ball. I can't, that's all I can really think about. Obviously, you know, we got work to do with these uh, winter workouts before that. Uh, Cause that's a, that's a, that's a big thing in the, in the winter time. These winter workouts, that's really what gets you ready. But uh, yeah, I can't stop thinking about spring ball. I can't wait to finally put the pads back on and get back out there um, with the guys, especially it's just, you know, if you've been on a football team, you know that camaraderie, just being in the locker room with the guys, there's nothing else like it. Uh, so I can't wait. I'm so excited. Speaking of that camaraderie, you're building some new camaraderie with a couple, uh, a few additions. Javen Williams, Alex Birchmeyer, Anthony Donko, all joining you on campus this week. We talked a little bit about them out in Pasadena. What's your early impression of the newcomers? Because you're suddenly in year three, Landon. You are definitely not a newcomer anymore. You're verging toward that veteran status. It's time to, to step up. But uh, what do you think about the new youngins? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I was just thinking, of, I was talking about that the other day. I was like, man, I'm, I guess I'm an old head now. I don't know. This is crazy. You're close. Uh, You're close. Yeah. But I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, the young guys, I would just say they want all of them. All three of them, I would say impressive is the one where, I mean, first of all, you dap them up and you can just feel how strong they are. Um, and they all, you know, they all move really well. And they're all, you can just sense, they all have a want. They all, you know, were, you know, texting us, you know, when can we, you know, get together with, you know, some of the older guys hopping the playbook you know, stuff like that. So you see the want from them early on, the want to get better, you know, to learn. And that's really the number one thing coming in. So I think they're, they're all going to be ballers just from, you know, what I've seen so far. They get under the tutelage of Phil Troutwine. You've been there. Of course, you had an interesting path to Phil. You didn't commit to him. He was hired as you were kind of crossing that bridge and, and, and making your move to Penn State. What do you think maybe the fans out there who've been trying to figure out Phil Troutwine, and, and I'm assuming many of them's opinions have changed over the last 13 games on Phil. What do people maybe not understand about him and how he ticks and what happens in this room? Yeah, I would say uh, Coach Trout's the same guy every day. Um, you know, you you know, he's he's always just coming in, uh, ready to work, just ready to push you. Um, and you know, he's always he always brings that same the same energy every day. He's not a big yeller. He's not going to yell at you, but uh, he's he's going to coach you up. And I think you know, it just it just takes time to to completely overhaul kind of a a whole offensive line room and kind of change the culture in that room. It doesn't you you can't you know. And obviously, you know, we kind of just we let it happen. You know, obviously, all the we got a lot of you know words from the fans for the offensive line. We kind of let it happen. We knew it was going to be a process, and I think the fans are kind of starting to finally see, uh, you know, what Coach Shouts, like I said earlier, what his vision was for the O line. And like I said, I don't think you know I think we were good this year, but like I said, I think we have we have a lot higher expectations for ourselves in this coming year and so on. Um, and we know and we know just you know being led by Coach Trout that we can you know, achieve our goals. Uh, so, you know, like I said, we're just – as an offensive line, we're so excited to get going again. And those two freshman running backs do their part to, to help make the offensive line look pretty good at that, uh, as well. Can you tell me what it's been like to see them grow, block for them, and unfortunately for you from the sideline, seeing them, uh, you know, the, the final stretch of the season into the Rose Bowl? Yeah, no, they're unbelievable, man, those two. Um, and, you know, you, they're just – and they're so different too. That's the that's the best part about them. They're so different. Um and you know, I always see them together. They're they're always together, and I we I love them. Um, but I mean, just to be able to see, just to have those guys with that ability. I mean, I see Katron truck someone you know two feet into the sky, and then Nick take off for eighty yards down the field. Uh, it's it's you know, as for an offensive line, it's just exciting to know that you know you have that back there. You have that ability to just break one you know at any time and just start hitting these big runs. As an offensive line, it's not even really about those big runs because they don't happen that often. It's about you know. You start getting eight, nine, 12, you know, yards of K, you know, you start breaking off these big runs and that starts to build confidence in the offensive line and the whole team. And, uh, and, you know, then you just, you really start rolling. So uh, we're, we're the, they, they help, they definitely help us a lot. You know, we got great skill players uh, around this team. So, you know, we're really excited. I got one more name to pick your brain on. You probably know where I'm going here. You called him the most popular guy on campus, perhaps. It's Drew Aller. And and you've gotten to know him over the last year, I'd imagine, pretty well. QB2 last season behind Sean Clifford. Sean's moved on after a phenomenal performance in the Rose Bowl. And now you've got this new arm, but a new voice in the offense. And what I've been curious about with Drew, a guy that we've heard his voice a few times on this podcast, how is that aspect of him developing? I guess starting with this new semester, because all of a sudden, the four-time team captain's moving on. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think, you know, at being a quarterback, it's kind of instantly looked to you for leadership. Um, so I definitely think that's, you know, 
that's a role he's going to come into. I think he's going to do it well. I think he's he has everybody's respect in this program. That's one thing I can tell you, no doubt. Um, we all respect him. He's a, he's a great guy. I actually got a lot closer with him over the Rose Bowl. Uh, we have a little group. The offensive line is a little group that we kind of started last year, and we go out and we just we'd always eat because you know you know you're always in state. Shock. I'm shocked. I can't. Yeah. Right. That. Right. It's you know state college. It's always kind of the same food and stuff. So we you know we make it like expedition. Like we're going, we pick certain days. We're like we're going here, here, and here. So Drew decided to come along with us, and he was actually hanging. He was hanging. He was eating. We got uh, right after the game. We went out to Fleming's, and we got these big tomahawk steaks. And he actually finished his before me. So uh, so he can hang with the O line. But no, nah, Drew's Drew's a great guy, and I know he's going to step into that role, uh, especially that leadership role too. Um, and we're all excited for him. Uh, I think everybody within this program and and beyond knows what he can do. Um, so I mean, the sky's the limit for him, as, as you know. And he's a smart quarterback if he's making buddies with his offensive linemen like that. Wise move, Drew. Um, Landon, one more time, give us the, the the lowdown on this book, where where people can find it right now, where they might be able to find it moving forward. And I just want to let you know, we'll put the links uh, to your book, both the regular copy and the autographed copy, um, up on our podcast uh, report for this uh, on the site and up on social media. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, those links will be perfect. And then, like I said, uh, shortly I'll be posting on social media, but I should. I'll be having some signings. Um, there'll be there'll be places uh, right around the Penn State campus that are going to uh, start carrying my book. Unfortunately, I'll have that info very shortly, like I said, uh, but it'll definitely be uh, much more widely available than just online very shortly. All right. The book is The Men Up Front from Exit 56 Publications. The guest is Landon Tengwall. We appreciate you, as always, for joining us on the podcast. Really looking forward to seeing you get back out in the field this spring. We'll talk to you real soon. Thank you so much for having me. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Big thanks again to Landon Tengwall. We look forward to seeing him back on the field, fully healthy and and ready to compete this spring, hopefully. Let's turn attention now to the recruiting trail, the transfer portal. These things are busy day by day, as you know, at Lions247.com. And the man bringing you a lot of those items and news bits is Tyler Calvaruzzo, who joins us right now on the Lions247 podcast. We won't keep you as long as we did on Tuesday when we sat down for about 45 minutes and broke down the latest. But we got to get right back to the receiving conversation at the in the transfer portal because Wednesday was certainly a whirlwind day when it comes to Penn State's transfer portal adventures at that position. Tyler, talk us through what went down. So Devin Carter's commitment to the Nittany Lions wound up lasting a grand total of nine days. He decided yesterday to announce his flip, if you want to call it that, to West Virginia. And there were a lot of moving parts here behind the scenes. You know, we've pretty much documented everything that's been going on there. He was on campus for his official visit at Penn State last weekend. Seemed like everything was going well. He was in the student directory, but he never officially enrolled in classes, never attended any classes because there was still some work to do on the NIL front. And it seemed like there was a discrepancy between player value versus where the program valued that player. And at the end of the day, Carter deemed West Virginia the the best fit for him. And really now it's back to the drawing board for Penn State at the position. Carter was a player they definitely wanted. They would have loved to have him in the fold. But at the end of the day, if you can't come to terms, probably in the best interest of both parties to move on to the bigger and better things. You're only discussing half the story of what took part on Wednesday, though, because there was a couple wide receivers in the spotlight. The folks who are who spend time on our message board, some of them all the time, some of them some of the time, they know that Wednesday was an interesting one when we were tracking this. 
you were doing your best to stay out in front of it because there were two wide receivers in focus, and ultimately neither of them finished Wednesday in Penn State's transfer class. Yeah, Tyrone Broden, the transfer from Bowling Green, another one who was on campus for his official visit over the weekend. He announced on Tuesday night that he was going to be announcing his commitment. We weren't really sure during that day during the afternoon if he was going to be a take at Penn State. At night, it surfaced that he was going to be a take for the Nittany Lions. It looked like that was going to be his eventual destination. But Wednesday rolls around and Penn State decides, you know, let's pull back a little bit here. Let's reassess where we're at with our options, you know, where we're at on the board in terms of priorities. And Broden wound up not announcing for Penn State, and he's not going to announce for Penn State. He's back wide open in his recruitment, and Penn State is back to reexamining all of its available options at receiver in the portal. So, yeah, it's been a whirlwind of the 24 hours at the position for sure. You know, It's been a whirlwind of an offseason at the position when it comes to transfer portal recruiting. But Wednesday was in a league of its own, man. There was a lot going down. Two big-bodied receivers who look like might wind up at Penn State next season, you know, as weapons for Drowler, not coming to Happy Valley. A couple things there. I mean, I guess if you had your bingo card ready for, for the transfer portal receiver receiver sweepstakes, you've got academic uh, issues raising in one. You've got the NIL stuff popping up in one. And then I think there, there's this other conversation is what is a wide receiver anticipating when he makes the move to State College versus what is Penn State realistically promising? And, and they're not going to promise much, but what are they offering? They're offering a chance to compete. I can't imagine they're telling a guy he's going to come in, step in, and start at least some of the players we've been talking about recently – and I have to wonder what's being promised by other programs, uh, not just the NIL conversation, but playing time. I, I think you can review this Penn State roster if you're an incoming receiver who has some experience, maybe not in power five level. And like a lot of us, you can see several of these players do not have the production at the power five level to this point. There's a lot of promise there. But I also get it. If you go back, you do your homework, you look at who's coming back to this receiver room. You see a lot of former four-star guys. You see a lot of guys who are probably more highly rated than you coming out of high school. You think, well, this receiver coach recruited them out of high school. They've been in the program. They've been there longer than me. And I think there, you may want some clarity from a coaching staff. And my understanding in the conversations I've had with some Penn State staff members is they are very wary, especially in this day and age of, of where college football is heading, to going far, too far down the road of making promises of any kind, aside from the fact that if you show up here follow the plan that we lay out for you, you're going to have realistic opportunities for on-field and financial success. Yeah, I've heard a very similar sentiment. You know, you never want to overpromise. It just it doesn't lead to productive things for you in any walk of life. And that applies to in this line of thinking as well. And that's something Penn State has really tried to avoid, whether it be in high school recruiting or through the transfer portal. And you talk to high school recruits, and they always note that the Penn State staff is very honest with them. They don't think they're getting fed just a bunch of stuff that they want to hear. They, they understand that if things are laid out on the table for them, it's going to be there for them when they get to Penn State. It's a very honest staff, it seems, from my interactions with high school recruits. You know, through the portal, it's a completely different ball game. I feel, just when it comes to approach, because there are so many more factors in recruiting a transfer portal player, you know, in terms of immediate playing time. And now we got the NIL aspect of it as well. So you really got to make sure you don't overpromise because especially with NIL, because if you if you overpromise on that end of the deal and you can't hold up your side, that's a problem. It is. You know, we're seeing it with Jaden Rashada down in Florida right now with, with what's going on there, the craziness with that. It applies here as well. You never yeah. want to overpromise. And I think the staff does a really good job of that. I think they walk that line pretty well. And when it comes to Carter, you know, he valued himself a certain way. Staff had its own opinion, and that's really that. And then with Broden, it was a depth chart thing. It was a priority thing. You know, how is he going to fit? And like I said before, it's really back to it's back to the drawing board. It's not back to ground zero because there are still some options that we're going to get into in a little bit. Yeah, well, look, you've got some suddenly some familiar faces over there at West Virginia at wide receiver, yeah. right? You've got a transfer going in. you got Rodney Gallagher, uh, who Penn State was certainly leaving that door open for late in the process. That's your week one opponent in Beaver Stadium, by the way, Kaylin King and, and company. I think they already are well aware of that, but uh, kind of a fun addition to that matchup, I guess, when you look at some of these storylines, some of the roster developments popping up for that week one matchup. That's a ways away, but people want to know right now, Tyler Calvaruso, is who are those guys uh, in the wide receiver portal right now you mentioned some of them before anything new i know there's another visit in the works not really anything new we got freddie roberson coming to campus this weekend for an official visit penn state has that in the card so i think that's definitely going to be one to keep a really close eye on 
Roberson. If our listeners, if our listeners miss, missed the last one, yeah, give us give us a little bit of uh, the background on Roberson because I know you Rob- did that last episode. Yeah, Roberson, FCS star for Eastern Washington, really productive player for that program. Jumped into the transfer portal at the conclusion of the offseason. Was originally set to make his decision a little bit earlier in this month. I believe it was January 4th is what he was targeting. He had a top four set, but he decided with programs like Penn State and you know, West Virginia, we just talked about them, they got involved with him. So we decided to take a little step back and said, hey, look, I'm going to make all of my visits. I want to examine all of my options, especially my new ones. And Penn State wound up being one of those new options that he wants to check out. So the plan this weekend, just more, you know, sell the fit in the offense. You know, don't overpromise anything as we just talked about, but sell the fit in the offense, sell the player that he could produce in that offense. And maybe there's a mutual at the end of the visit. Maybe there's a mutual decision that gets made. Roberson's a guy the Penn State staff likes. I think there's a lot of intrigue surrounding this visit. And at this point, we're, we're really getting the sense that it's going to be a two-pronged transfer portal approach at receiver. You're looking at before – well, now it's not before, but the, the start of the of the semester here and then at the end of the semester, uh, uh, assuming that Dante Cephas does not land somewhere at the FBS level this spring uh, or, or this winter, that is kind of that next prong that we're all just staying tuned for. And a lot of people view that, Dante Cephas. I don't want to put too many eggs in one basket for the Penn State coaching staff, but there's plenty on our board who have already done it. They think that guy is the realistic wide receiver one you could bring in uh, for Drew Aller. I think you'd have a, a lot to learn for a guy who's getting to campus in the summer to get ready for September. But clearly uh, there has been an, an emphasis on Cephas, and that's not an answer we expect to get soon. No, it's not. I would expect a resolution is more likely to come in the spring slash summer than it is right now. And yeah, a lot of eggs have been put in the Cephas basket by some of our subscribers, I would say. There's been a lot of talk about him, and I get it. You know, he, he's a really good player. We've talked about him. Me and you both pinpointed him as, of all these transfer portal names that we've sorted through, me and you pinpointed him as the guy who could probably come in and be that number one that we've talked about so much that could benefit Drew Aller so significantly. And to be completely honest, of all the portal names that we have been through, when it comes to pitching, oh, you can come in and be the wide receiver one. You could be the guy. Cephas is really the only one I've heard receive that pitch, that exact, you know, that high level of a pitch. So I think that speaks to what the Penn State staff thinks about him. And if it winds up happening where he does go back to Kent State and then re-enters the portal, Penn State is still optimistic that they could scoop him up in the spring. It's, there's no feeling that if he goes back to Kent State, it's a lost cause because we're not going to have a spot for him or anything like that. That line of thinking doesn't exist in Happy Valley right now. That's just not how it is. They feel that if this does drag into the spring, he can be added late. You know, it's not the end of the world if he doesn't show up for for fall camp or not fall camp. Excuse me, spring ball. It, it is what it is. We talk about Chop Robinson all the time. Him showing up late that could be Cephas's future. They want him. That's for sure. There's no doubt about that. Uh, by my count, Penn State's going to have nine receivers carrying either freshman or sophomore eligibility in 2023. So I know people are looking for the proven commodities right now. And Keandre Lambert Smith's really the only guy who's done it multiple years at the, at the power five level. And he's still looking for that consistency. You see something out of Harrison Wallace, but really let's give this group some time to grow. I mean, if you were high on these guys as prospects right now, their shelf life is about a year on campus or less than that. So I think Taylor Stubblefield, this coaching staff, they're going to sink their teeth in this spring because they have no other, no other option right now. They got to get to work on this group, yeah. cultivating their own talent that they brought into campus. Big weekend here. You mentioned the transfer visit, but this is a headline by the junior day. And we always look forward to these come wintertime. It gives us a, a good scope of what's next in the classes ahead. Going to be a big emphasis on 2024, but you always see some of those rising juniors. And in this case, the 2025 prospects pop up on campuses for weekends such as this. Uh, another one in the works next week, but let's go – one-on-one here, one-by-one here, Tyler. I asked you before we recorded to to sort through five names, and I know it's a hard task because we got a long list of confirmed visitors this weekend, but five guys you're intrigued by and why. Let's start with with one of those. These aren't in order as far as I understand, but let's work our way through. So I feel like we got to start with Jalen Harvey. I feel like that's just the best place to start given how many times he's been to campus since the fall. So Saturday is going to mark his fourth time coming to Happy Valley since the beginning of October. And I think that really speaks to where not only where Penn State is at with him, but just how highly of a regard and how good of a relationship Harvey has with the coaching staff. That crystal ball reads 100% in favor of the Nittany Lions. I have a feeling it's going to stay there. I'm not saying anything is imminent this weekend or anything like that because Harvey does still want to get out and make other visits. I wouldn't anticipate any movement with him until the spring, whether it's a Penn State commitment or a commitment elsewhere. I think he's being very patient with this process. It might even go into the summer if he decides to take those official visits then. But 
when you talk about this weekend, for me, it starts ends with Harvey. You got to start with Harvey because just a name that we've touched on so much and be a pretty big addition on the defensive line coming off the edge. Moving over to the offensive side of the ball real quick, Keelan Adams. I mean, we're talking about a top 100 receiver. The kid's an elite talent if you go watch his tape from Virginia. He's going to be on campus this weekend for the first time since the fall. Penn State has been pushing him very, very hard. He's arguably the top receiver on its board right now. They're involved with a lot of high-quality guys like James Robinson down in St. Thomas Aquinas, but Adam stands out, man, as a regional guy and just as a player himself. I mean, so electric. You talk about getting more explosive at wide receiver. You want to get more explosive? You go get a guy like Adams. That's what Penn State's trying to accomplish this weekend. Blake Frazier in Texas, offensive tackle. Phil Trotway, man, he's put in so much work with this guy in Texas just to get him to campus. And I know there's a lot of excitement that he's coming for this junior day. They're really hyped about him because Trout's been going after him hard. He's well-respected in Texas, but it's always, you know, it's tough to get kids up here sometimes. You know, their interests lie elsewhere. You know, more re- a lot of those guys take more regional approaches to their recruitment. But Frazier's interested in Penn State, and he's going to be making his way to campus. So, He's excited about the visit. Penn State's excited to get him up here. They're looking to make a pretty big impact on him while he is in town. And defensively, moving back to defense to close things out, Anthony Speck of the Pittsburgh linebacker, he's anticipated that he will be making it to this junior day. And I would say that's a pretty, pretty, pretty big deal for Penn State. And here's why. This is a recruitment that Penn State has essentially been running kind of 1A, 1B with Michigan for a while now. Notre Dame has been involved. Ohio State has been involved. Other really high-level programs have been involved. But through my conversations, it keeps coming back to it being kind of a Michigan and Penn State battle. And obviously now there's a new layer of intrigue there in that whole situation with Jim Harbaugh, you know, potentially jumping to the NFL. We have to see what happens there and how that will impact Michigan's 2024 recruiting efforts. But Speck has been high on Penn State's board for a really long time now. They got him back on campus in the summer for a very intimate one-on-one style visit in July. That went really well. That kind of really propelled Penn State into that 1A, 1B spot, I would say. A lot of good ground was covered on that visit, and it's been the relationship has continued to grow stronger since then. So Specka making his way to campus is a pretty big deal. And then I want to close it out with the 2025 guy. I feel like we got to touch on at least one of those. It's Mantrez Walker from the Georgia Powerhouse, Buford. I mean, that program churns out high-level Power 5 players year after year after year. And Walker's going to be next. And I, I spotlight Walker specifically as a 2025 because Penn State's off to a really good spot with him. He really likes Manny Diaz. He likes his support staff. He loves Kenny Sanders, man. He is raved about him. He's got a lot of good things to say about Kenny. So Walker really A lot of me. people have a lot of good things to say about It's Kenny hard too. not to. I mean, it's really understandable why recruits like him so much. But, you know, look, Walker is still a very long way to go in his recruitment. Goes without saying, we're talking about a 2025 kid. He just wrapped up his sophomore season. But Penn State has gotten off to a strong start. And whenever you get off to a strong start like that, you want to get a guy on campus as quickly as you can, and you want to keep building. And that's what Penn State is going to be able to accomplish with Walker this weekend. So this is a really good junior day. You're going to have two more good junior days coming up this month on the 21st and the 28th. But this weekend, pretty good starting point for Penn State on the junior day front. Fantastic job laying that out, Mr. Calvaruzzo. And five names. I think you reflected kind of the regional and non-regional yeah. presence that they're going to be experiencing on campus. Two quick notes. Uh, Chop Robinson from the same high school uh, that J- Jalen Harvey is now flourishing at in Maryland. And then Blake Frazier. Uh, really impressive prospect, but what stands out to me, he's an eye black wearer. He wears the eye black. Yeah. And when an offensive lineman does that down in Texas, you have my attention. So really curious to see how that works out. What do we have shaping up on the website this weekend? I know just in the matter of moments, probably you, Brian Doan, Alan True, Steve Wolf are going to pop up with new articles and updates like you've been all week getting ready for this weekend. But what are you anticipating for our Lions 24-7 subscribers? And maybe those out there, I'm looking at you, who haven't jumped on board yet because you can right now, 30% off uh, for a full annual subscription or $1 for one month. It's really just going to be wall-to-wall with this junior day, man. I mean, it's such a good time of the year. You know, you wrap up the early signing period, you get a little bit of a break, and then you jump right into the junior day stuff. And that's really exciting because it's always about the future and building building the foundation of a, of what is a new class. You know, Cooper Cousins has been lonely in that 2024 class for a while. So Penn State would like to give him some friends sooner rather than later. And this is where it starts. It starts in January before the spring rolls around. And then the summer comes and you're hosting these official visits. So we're going to be rolling ball to wall with this junior day coverage. I'm sure we're going to, you know, just continuing to build the 2024 board who Penn State's really looking at the hardest at each position. So a lot of good stuff to come. I would stay tuned in if I was you. 
All right, Cooper Cousins, offensive lineman out of Erie, Pennsylvania, remains the only commitment in Penn State's 2024 class. We'll see if that changes over the weekend. Certainly some inroads will be made uh, towards the next future pickups. Tyler Calvaruzzo, we appreciate it. You'll be on 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Show later here on Thursday. Hopefully people have a chance to check that out. We'll make sure the link gets up on our board and out online as well. Talk to you real soon, man. Soon. Later, man. All right, let's shift focus now because Penn State basketball had a key moment on Wednesday night in the Brace Jordan Center, uh, looking at a potential three-game losing streak, facing a team that carries a lot of respect in the Big Ten in the Indiana Hoosiers, and Daniel Gallen and Mark Brennan were both on hand to watch the action. It proved to be a 19-point victory for Penn State. And Mark, as I thought you laid out very well in your top takeaways last night, it wasn't so much about this game. Of course, that mattered but it was about what lied beyond Wednesday night and what may have been the outlook for Penn State if they dropped the third straight game. Yeah, first of all, we need to get Tyler Calvaruso to show a little more energy. That guy, (laughs) (laughs) boy, do I love that dude, man. He brings the energy, and it's just so much fun, and you can hear the enthusiasm in his voice. But, yeah, you know, the more I think about it, I said that was the biggest win for for Penn State this season. I think it's the biggest win so far in Micah Shrewsbury's career. And, and, and here's why. And it's a short career. I mean, it's his second season at Penn State. But here's why. Now, now you're sitting there at 3-3 three and three in the Big Ten. And what do we know about the Big Ten? They're probably going to get eight or nine teams in the NCAA tournament. And if you're right around that 500 level or maybe a game or two over, you know, there's a very good chance that you're going to get to the NCAA tournament. If you lose that game, you're two and four. Now you're two games below 500. And guess what? Your next game is at Wisconsin, Cole Center, where Penn State has never won. So I, you know, I just think being able to win that game, just winning it anyway, was a good sign. And there, you're also playing against a team that was one and three in a, in a similar kind of precarious situation that, that is, is playing with some urgency. But then to win it in such convincing fashion. Now, you know, people should know Indiana, two of its key players are, are out. Uh, Williams probably for the season and uh, the big forward, you know, for we don't know how long. But th- now this is a team that as of a week ago was ranked number 15 in the nation. But it's playing th- uh, three games in six days. We all know what the Big Ten grind could be like. And what I loved is that Penn State went after that team from the get-go, you know, and, and just pressured. Uh, Shrewsbury was rolling different lineups out there. Uh, it was it was really fun to watch. And, and you watch a team win a key game like that in convincing fashion. I think it was really a statement game for Penn State. And as I look at it, I think to this point, it's the biggest win of Micah Shrewsbury's career so far. 85 to 66 was the final score on Wednesday night. As you said, Penn State improves to 12 and 5 on the season. Individually, though, here, Daniel, who were the players who you felt like lived up to the moment on what felt like an adverse week for the Nittany Lions based off that postgame presser? I mean, Seth Lundy and, and Andrew Funk really came to play. Uh, Lundy played well against Purdue on Sunday. One of the other guys outside of Jalen Pickett who, who showed up in that game, uh, he had 25 points, 7 of 12 from 3. Uh, he, he's just he can just make an impact on both ends he's athletic he's long and the one thing that I really like about him that I noticed in that Purdue game is that he plays with a, a really short memory um, I think I think I saw a stat where he had four shots blocked by Zach Eady uh, and I remember he had one pretty you know uh, resounding one off the backboard and the next possession he comes down and hits a turnaround uh, in the lane so you know Seth Lundy is someone who who plays kind of fearless obviously that style can get you in trouble sometimes but when he's on, it really gives Penn State another dimension. Uh, Andrew Funk also was 7 of 12 uh, on three pointers. He scored 23 points. He was 2 of 13 in the past two games from deep. Uh, and he really just kind of shot himself out of the slump. I think that he's one of those players where he's a little bit streakier than I thought he would be coming over from Bucknell. Uh, but when he's on, it just gives you an, another dimension. And even if he's missing those shots, you need him to keep taking them because when they start going in, they come in bunches and it can really, really break a game wide open. So I think those that's kind of the headliners. And then going down a little bit, you know, Evan Mahaffey continued to come on strong. He had a career high 12 points in 13 minutes. Uh, also had four fouls in there, but I think that's kind of, uh, you know, indicative of, of the energy that he plays with and, and what he can bring to a team off of the bench. He's really long, six foot six, uh, can handle the ball. 
Indiana left him wide open for a three pointer and he, you know, set had plenty of time to get into a shot and he drilled it. Um, so seeing him come along as a freshman, um, I think that that is really big and it gives Penn state, uh, another viable option off the bench. Um, and he gives them something a little bit different with his length, with his energy and, and with his skill set. This is an evolving team. They're now 17 games into the process. Mark, we heard a lot from you early on on, on some of your concerns, some of what you thought might be the strengths. What do you think is the most notable development in the way this team, uh, the way they're using their players and the way guys are stepping up and, and being utilized in specific areas? Yeah, I think there's one stat that you can look at with this team that's going to tell you if, if they're playing well or not. And surprisingly, it's not three-pointers made. Uh, but I think it's a function of how the three-pointers get made. So if you look, going into this game, uh, Jalen Pickett in Big Ten play actually had more assists than the entire rest of the team. And that's not good. I mean, that's great for Jalen Pickett, and, and it's great for his, uh, you know, his drive to be first-team All-Big Ten. I don't think he'll be Big Ten Player of the Year because I think Edie has that kind of wrapped up already the, with the way he's playing. But you can't have a, a team where only one guy is doing, number one, the bulk of the scoring – and then setting people up. If you saw what happened in the second half of the Purdue game, and Matt Painter said this after the game, he said, you know, Pickett is going to do what he does, but we really had to limit the way that he was able to distribute the ball. And when they did that, Penn State's offense went, went straight down. So what did we see against Indiana that was different? Yes, he had his eight assists, but they finished with, I think, 19 as a team. Cam Winter had six assists, okay? This is unbelievable. Other than Pickett, he was the first Penn State player to have more than four assists in a game all season long. Wow. And the only two guys who had done it before were Funk and, Funk and uh, who else was it? Uh, the forward. I'm drawing a blank, that Daniel. Uh, started at the beginning of the year. But anyway, there's only two guys who did it against Winthrop um, in the first game of the year. So, so that's tell, that, what's that telling you? There, there was not great ball movement. And then all of a sudden, you get into this game, better spacing. Guys driving and kicking. So even though they didn't score a ton of points in the paint, you had guys who were driving into the lane and then passing it back out. And so, so these things, they, they matter. And it's, it's the, the flow of the offense. And when, you, when you're getting that ball movement, Guys like Seth Lundy, guys like Funk are getting open shots, and that's what happened. So, yeah, I completely agree that Funk could be a real streaky player, but he's also a guy that when he gets wide-open looks, he's going to bury him, and he was getting a bunch of wide-open looks. Same thing with Seth Lundy. And even some of them were really deep, but they were getting wide-open looks. So I think the fact that other guys were getting into the whole distribution process uh, was, was a real key for him. I mean, Mark noted it that, that it's not the end-all, be-all, but every time we've talked about keys, he's mentioned the three-pointer, the three-pointer, and they were raining on, on Wednesday night. Um, and as you noted on Twitter today, Daniel, they are raining on an historic fashion this season for Penn State. It might be a live-by, die-by situation if they're going to be reliant, but those are coming together in bunches from beyond the arc. Definitely. I, I did some quick uh, back of the napkin math last night after the game, uh, after someone asked the question on Twitter and they're on pace for 345 made three pointers, 872 attempts. Uh, the previous team records uh, are 294 makes in 2018, 780 attempts in 2009. Uh, currently they're shooting at 39.5% clip. Uh, the record there is 41.5% uh, in 1983. So, uh, you know, you've seen it when, you know, they were shooting better from three point range than two point range last night, um, which you don't see too often when you go to the, you look at the box score after the game and the three point percentage is better than the overall field goal percentage. So it's been really impressive. I think that you do wonder about the, you know, the, the sustainability of it, but at the same time, I think that they've shown that they can win like this. And so you just keep playing like it. There are going to be games where the shots aren't falling, but that's where you want to see the other guys step up. Um, I think that that game on Sunday at the Palestra, it kind of showed the limitations of having Jalen Pickett be the, you know, of what he can do by himself uh, in a game when, when everything is going through him, when he's the only one who shows up. I think that showed the limitations. And then you turn around on Wednesday and you see what the team can do as a whole when you get contributions from everywhere. Uh, Mark brought up Cam Winter. 
I thought he looked really assertive, uh, and that was probably his his better game in you know probably a couple months uh, for Penn State. Um, and then Mahaffey coming off the bench, that distribution. Uh, Caleb Dorsey was the name that Mark was looking yes, for. With thank you. Four assists in, in, in the season opener. He hasn't played um, like five games. So I, 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 <laughs> that's he had a, I forgot. He had a big wrap on his right shoulder uh, yeah. during pregame. Uh, Micah Shrewsbury was asked about him on Monday, and Shrewsbury said that he's available. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. But, uh, you know, I think that the rotation that they're going with right now, um, I think, has some guys that, that can make an impact on there. And, you know, and I think it also just from a you know sort of a, a selfish perspective, this is just a fun style to watch uh, the way that they're playing with all those three pointers, with the willingness of guys like Lundy and Funk to take those shots, uh, especially when they're wide open. It, it just makes for for an entertaining product. You got to wait a little while for your next game. It's always good to do that after a win. Penn State's not back in action until next Tuesday. They travel to Wisconsin. Mark, you've mentioned they've never won in that building. They'll be back the following Saturday home against Nebraska as Big Ten play continues into, into late January. But looking forward here, just the next section of their schedule, starting with a trip to a ranked opponent in the Badgers. Uh, what do you think about the win behind the sails here? I mean, about the potential for a March Madness run. Are you starting to buy into this with this program? Yeah, I definitely think so. You know, going back to Daniel's point, you know, is it sustainable to be relying on the three-pointers as much as they are? It has to be for this team because they just don't have the size. And that's going to be the great equalizer for them. So there will be games where where it looks ugly, like in the second half against Purdue. But when they have ball movement going and shots are falling, I mean, they, they tied the school record, which they set earlier this year with 18 threes against Indiana. When they make that many three-pointers, they literally can beat anybody in the nation. I mean, that that is not hyperbole. I mean, when, you, when you're shooting like that, it's it, – it, it is a great, great equalizer. So I think you're going to see them keep pumping up those threes. When you go back to 83, I was trying to dig it up here, but I haven't done it yet. I'm guessing they probably took about 75 or 83 pointers in the entire season that year. It was probably some relatively low number. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's the great equalizer for them, and it's going to give them a chance to win at places like Cole Center. You know, one of the good things about the Big Ten this year, and I think we've seen it, is there are some really good teams and a ton of teams are going to get into the NCAA tournament. But even Purdue, I don't think anybody is that much better than everybody else that Penn State's not going to have a slugger's chance against everybody. The flip side of that, if you're not shooting well, you could lose to anybody. So if you look at Ken Palm right now, if Chalk holds and he predicts every game going out, they're going to be there sitting there at the end of the regular season with 21 wins. And that's and I think 11 wins in the Big Ten, and that's right around where you need to be to get into that NCAA tournament. Also, the numbers Daniel's projecting, I think those are regular season numbers, right? I mean, that you because we can only guess or we can only project out through the regular season and one Big Ten tournament game. But some of these numbers they're posting, the three point numbers, Pickett's assist numbers, he is going to blow away the the, the Penn State's uh, season assist record. Uh, a lot of these numbers are going to go down in flames, and it's going to be fun to watch. And I, I totally agree with Daniel that win or lose, this is a fun team to watch. You know, that first half a, a, against Purdue at the Palestra, I know the second half was a bummer for Penn State fans, but that was absolutely electric. You know, you go in and you're leading the number one team in the nation, you know, albeit a lame duck number one, but still a, clearly a top five team by six at the half. I just think... It's everything setting up for them uh, to be in that tournament talk when the end of the season gets here. Now, what are the keys? Number one, keep making your threes. Number two, the ball movement that we talked about. And number three, the huge one, because we're seeing this start to make an impact. We, we saw it make an impact with Indiana. Knock on wood, everybody stay as healthy as you can possibly be because this team needs to, needs to be able to go deep, needs to be able to hit t uh, opponents in waves. So stay healthy. That's where I think this uh, bye week is coming or bye weekend is coming at a good time for them. Penn State appeared to be in really good spot to make the tournament back in 2020. Of course, we know what happened in March of 2020 that that ended that hope. But Daniel, if they get there this year, there's going to be a lot of praise on Micah Shrewsbury in year two with Penn State. I know he's a guy that you both have gotten to know quite a bit uh, better this season covering the team. And yesterday's press conference really stood out to me. Daniel, you wrote about it and you phrased it as introspective in the way that Micah Shrewsbury internalized what happened at the Palestra on Sunday and then what they brought to the court on Wednesday. Can you 
take our listeners through those 72 hours of Penn State basketball based on what you heard from Shrewsbury? Shrewsbury gave us some blunt honesty in, in his self-assessment of uh, his, his work on the sideline uh, against Purdue. He said that he looked like an idiot out there when he was going back through and, and watching the television copy uh, as part of his, his film review of the game. Um, and, and he talked a lot about how he, as a young coach, he's been living and dying with every single game um, that he's been stressing himself out, really putting a lot into these games. And you know, he's aware that when he does that, you know, and that goes over to the players. He said, whether the players realize it or not, whether the players want it to or not, if he's stressed, the team is going to be stressed. If he's loose, the team is going to be loose. So I, I think that there was a balance this week with Shrewsbury trying to, you know, kind of do that internal work while also setting a tone uh, with the team. I mean, he really did challenge them after that Purdue game. Um, and on Monday when we had our media session with him, um, you know, I think Jalen Pickett kind of referred to it on Sunday night as a want. Um, and Shrewsbury said that, you know, they're going to just go with the guys that, that want to be there, that that want to play, that they think can help them win. Uh, he told a story about how on Monday when they went out for their walkthrough, uh, Mike Farrelly, the assistant, set up the scout team, uh, and then Shrewsbury turned to the rest of the rest of the players and said, you know, "I don't know who's going to start. I don't know who's going to play. It's on you guys to sort that out." Um, and it seems like that it got through to them. Uh, Seth Bundy said that he felt like he was doing summer workouts again. Uh, Michael Shrewsbury said it wasn't that bad. Uh, but it seems like that he got through to the players uh, in a way that that drew a, a really good response from them. Um, I think that you look at the the adversity and and resolve that the adversity that they faced and the resolve that they had. You know, that's a really positive thing. Um, I know that a lot was made kind of looking at Indiana coming in, where that's the team that has their back against the wall. They're going to be super motivated. Um, they need a win. I mean, Penn State was in a similar situation, and and for Penn State to come through in that where I think the past couple of years, they've been on the other end of that. A lot of the time, I think that shows kind of a, a step forward, but you know, doesn't mean anything though. Uh, if you you know drop two straight against Nebraska and Wisconsin next week, uh, it was funny. Shrewsbury was asked on Monday, uh, kind of like what Mark alluded to with the big 10 being so relentless. Um, Shrewsbury was asked about this uh, or maybe it was last week. He was asked about the, the brutal stretch of the big 10 and, kind of looking ahead to that Nebraska game. And, <laughs> and, and he said, well, remember what happened the last time Nebraska came to the BJC? Uh, that was that season finale where Nebraska <laughs> just absolutely beat the brakes off of them. Um, so it, there's a lot that Shrewsbury is trying to balance right now. And I think that you really can't, you know, the one game at a time thing is so cliche, but you know, in this big 10 conference, the way that things are set out, set up, it's really, really hard to look ahead, but you know, I think Shrewsbury pushed all the right buttons, and that really did show last night. Tyler, one quick thing, if I could, on that, uh, I, I'm starting to wonder if Shrewsbury's too self-aware to be a, to be a college coach for a long time. He is like so uh, genuine a, a, about this stuff, and I'm joking. He's 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 more than qualified to be a college coach for a long time. But as I was sitting here putting the, the gallery together and some stuff last night, and I have a TV over here, and I kind of had it on in the background and watch the replay, and then the journey comes on, uh, the Big Ten, where they do really nice features, and they had a feature on Pickett, but they also kind of highlighted that the, the Penn State-Purdue game, and I'm sure that's what he saw. I'm sure that's what was getting him because he was getting after his players. You know, you watch the journey, and they have unique uh, unique access. You know, they don't, just don't have the regular TV access. They were right there in the huddle and stuff, and I think that was probably what he was getting at, but listen – I have no problem, and, and I think I know where he, where where, where he, what he was getting at, but I have no problem with the way he carries himself. I mean, he he got that technical against Purdue. I think that was a great time to get it. I mean, you knew you weren't going to win the game. You, you, you he he tells us, which I still find this is mind blowing to me that an official in the Michigan game didn't know his name. I mean, that's that's bad. I mean, that is really really bad. So we've seen it that Penn State coaches at this program, it's just the way it is. They're always fighting for respect, and I respect him for fighting for respect. Uh, the fact that he said that, I, I don't think he's going to tone it down a whole lot more because I think that's who he is. Uh, and I think if you listen to the players, I, I, you know, they love this guy and they respect the way he goes about things. So I, I think he was, yes, he was being introspective 
but I don't know how long that's going to last <laughs> because I think he's still going to be the same kind of fiery guy who has to get his message across. Well, Daniel and Mark were both at the Palestra. They were both at the BJC. They saw the swing of the pendulum. They'll be with you the rest of the way with this Penn State basketball season and popping up with these conversations on the podcast. Fells is good. I feel like we've only talked football for the last month, so good to get some basketball conversation back here. And The Nittany Lions earned it, right, uh, with that performance on Wednesday night. So we'll talk to you real soon. Uh, appreciate the time, as always. Yep. Thanks, Tyler. All right. Big thanks to my colleagues here at Lions 24-7 and Daniel, Mark, and Tyler for hopping on this edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. And of course, leading things off this time with Landon Tangwall, who's in year three as a Penn State offensive lineman. Pretty jam-packed show, uh, pretty jam-packed week here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. If you missed it earlier in the week, we had Lamont Payne, freshman defensive back who just arrived on campus to start his classes this week. Caught up with him about his path to Happy Valley, what he's looking forward to about his freshman year in a very impressive defensive backfield with the Nittany Lions where the competition is very steep. Uh, that was on a Tuesday edition, and we got a lot more to get to next week, I'm sure. Junior Day on Saturday. Tyler Calvaruzzo and company are going to be all over it. Uh, guest list and all the details coming your way at lines247.com for our VIP subscribers. Stepping aside for now, we'll talk to you real soon on the next episode. I am Tyler Downey. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.